We need that new sound system already put in right there. <laughs> Praise God. They was giving me a beat. I thought I was about to drop some, some lyrics. Drop some bars on y'all. <laughs> Hallelujah. I used to be a Christian rapper. Y'all probably don't believe that, but I did. I used to. I did. Where's Deacon Gershom? Ask Deacon Gershom. Deacon Gershom. Did I used to be a Christian rapper? Thank you, Tank. I may joke, but I would not lie. I did. Hallelujah. Where do you think my son gets it from? Hallelujah. I used to play the drums, the trumpet, used to direct the choir. I did all kind of stuff. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, you and John chapter 1, let's get moving here before y'all start hypothesizing about stuff. John chapter 1, and let's look at verse, I'm going to read verses 19 through 23, a very familiar passage. We use that as a, as a background. John chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. When you get there, you'll find these words. It says, now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So they asked him who he was. He said who he was not. I'm not Elijah. I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not, I'm not the prophet. In other words, that prophet that the Bible said would come um, to, uh, in, in the likeness of Moses. Okay, but I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And I don't want to talk on the subject of true identity, true identity. Father God, tonight, thank you for the giving us opportunity to spend this time in your word. I ask you, Lord, to give me um, your anointing in a greater dimension to speak forth your words. I ask you, Father, that God, the portal of heaven be open over me, that God, there may be a free flow, a free download of the word of God into my heart. And that God, as I open my mouth, that God, you'll speak through me. I ask you for divine utterance to speak the things that you give me to speak, for divine unction to move out on things that you tell me to move in, Father. And I pray that, God, your people would have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts, that the word of God may find good ground, good soil tonight to produce. Lord, that what you sent it to produce, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to remind you that... Uh, you know, I was, we spoke, I took last week off, thank God again for uh, Elder Jeff and, sister, and uh, Minister Lamika who ministered last Wednesday night. Come on, give them a big hand again. <coughs> so we've got to do a little bit of review uh, here because we're transitioning into another part of this teaching. And we were talking about the grace of God. You remember that? And I started out talking from Genesis 1. 26 to 28, you remember where the Bible says, and, and God said, let us make man in our own image and our own likeness, and let them have uh, dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, and so forth. And he created uh, man and 
male and female in his image. And then in verse 28, the Bible says, then God blessed them. Remember that? And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right? So notice that God blessed them. And I told you that the blessing, remember that, is the power that God gives to man to produce heaven on earth. The blessing is the power God gives man to produce heaven on earth. Everybody say, I'm blessed. blessed. Say, "I'm I'm blessed. So God has given you and me power to produce heaven on earth. That's what God wants. When God put Adam uh, in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden was a replica of heaven on earth. You realize that? And so when God put him here, God put him here uh, to manage that garden, but also to duplicate that garden, to fill the earth, replenish the earth with, that, with the garden um, dynamics, if you allow that. That what was in the garden, Adam had the job, the responsibility, if you will, of reproducing that in the earth. And God's MO did not change. Even after God destroyed everything at the flood, when God came back and ministered to Noah, he gave Noah the same command, the same charge. God blessed Noah. Then we read in Genesis, that was over in Genesis 8. Then we read over in Genesis 12 where God comes on and he blesses Abraham or Abram, right? And so that blessing has carried on to this day. So the blessing is the power God gives to man to produce heaven and earth. Then I told you that the blessing release is something called grace. Say it out. Grace. Y'all remember that. I know it's been two weeks, but hopefully you've watched a video, listened to a message or something. Okay? So the blessing releases grace. That grace is divine enablement. It's the ability of God. Okay? And how many, who remembers the three components of grace? All right? All right. A-W-E, divine ability. Come on. Divine wisdom and divine. Okay? So divine ability, divine wisdom, and divine energy. Okay? That makes up grace. Now, remember I was telling you that the reason why we went through that teaching, and again, I just love how God has just orchestrated all this, even the messages on sonship and relationship, how it all ties in. And I didn't plan that. Obviously, God puts it all together. Um, but uh, that, that grace is released by God to us for a purpose. That grace is not to give us goosebumps and a, and a you know, uh, warm, cozy, you know, feeling. Grace comes to empower us to do something. And God does not waste, but he will pour. So God pours grace on people for his purpose. And we looked at a scripture last week in, over in the, well, d- during that time, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, where Paul says, he says, but by the grace of God, come on, I am how, he's there. He's there. How? By the grace of God. He. He's by the grace of God. I am what I am. And he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Now I will talk about that in a moment. Than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So even the hard work that I did, it wasn't really me doing it. It was the grace of God in me doing the work. God was with me. God was with me. His grace was with me, and that grace empowered me or enabled me to do to do some work. 
So my point to you again is grace does not come to make you feel good. You may feel good. I know how it feels for me when I feel the grace of God on me. When I feel the grace, the anointing of God. There are times you, sometimes you know when even a grace lifts. Glory to God. There are times when, I, when I've traveled to preach, and uh, as long as I'm uh, getting ready to preach, and while I'm preaching, that grace is there. But once I'm done preaching, I feel that grace lift. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. How long is this conference again, or how long is this meeting? I'm, I'm, I'm ready because the grace is lifted. Some of you, you feel it when you're on a, on a particular assignment or a job God has graced you to, to be on, and that grace lifts. And all of a sudden, you just start getting real agitated. <laughs> well, what happens is many times, many times is because the grace has lifted from you because that was only a temporary assignment. See, so remember, I'm, I, I've been telling you that what God is getting us ready for is our kingdom identity, our kingdom purpose. Come on, our kingdom assignment and our kingdom destiny. So grace is only on you to fulfill your purpose, your assignment to get you to your destiny. So Paul says, go back to the beginning with that verse, please. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Than they all who? Go back to verse 9 for me, please. Go back to verse 9. Because he says, he says here in verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles. Notice he says, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. So notice how he felt about himself. He said, I'm not worthy. He says, because I persecuted the church of God. So notice he, he was telling us that what he was was a persecutor. That's who he was. But he no longer identifies as a persecutor. He identifies as an apostle, and because he has that new identity and a new purpose and a new assignment and a new destiny, a new direction in life, now grace comes on him to do that, to reach his destiny, to, to have his destiny fulfilled. Are y'all getting this here tonight? So this is what, what came on Paul, all right? Now, all of us have a divine destiny. All of us have a divine destiny destiny. And that destiny that we have is predetermined by God. God does not set your destiny when you get saved. God does not set your destiny once you accept your call to preach. Your destiny was predetermined by God. Before you were born, your destiny was already set. God had plans for your life before you were ever born on this planet. Okay? Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, you know you read in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. Give me Jeremiah, and this is off, off, off my nose. Give me Jeremiah 29 and 11. Give it to me in the King James Version, though, in the King James Version, because I want you to see something here. In the King James Version. Hallelujah. In the King James Version. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you what? A what kind of end? 
an expected end. That means God has already predetermined a destiny or a destination for your life. So he wants to get you to an expected end. That word end, in fact, in the, in the Hebrew, you look it up other, another place, it, it actually translates in the New King James in, a, in another scripture as the word destiny. As the word destiny, the Bible talks about how Israel, didn't, Israel got, got into sin and she did not consider her destiny. Israel got into sin and she did not consider her destiny. In other words, Israel had lost sight of God's expected end and because she lost sight of God's expected end, she let all kind of sin, Israel being, I'm talking about a people, let all kind of sin get, get into, into that nation. And that's what happens to people of God, that if we forget, if we lose sight of our destiny, then we lose control. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Y'all heard that? Other translations said this way, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. Have you ever read that? Without a vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, if you don't have a clear vision, a clear direction, a clear picture of your destiny, if you lose sight of your destiny, you cast off restraint. You'll start doing any and everything. You'll start grabbing any and everything. You'll let those lusts of the flesh that Elder Warren talked about on Sunday, you'll let those things begin to dominate your life because you've lost sight of where you're supposed to be going. Are y'all hearing me tonight? So we got to be careful that we don't lose sight of our destiny. God has a predetermined place for us, a predetermined end for us. He has what Jeremiah 29, 11 calls an expected end. Everybody say, God has an expected end for my life. He has a predetermined destiny for my life. Before I was born... Before I got saved, before I got baptized, before I came to the altar, before I joined the usher ministry, before I joined the deacon's board, God had a, a determined destiny for my life. While you out there sipping and tipping and tripping and dipping and flipping and flopping, hoeing and showing, come on. Drinking and cussing and smoking and dancing and doing all that kind of stuff, God still, he still had a destiny for your life. Now let's go to Romans chapter 8 real quick. Romans 8, let's start at verse 28, please. Romans 8, 28 through verse 30. Because God had all this for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before you knew it. Before you knew it. While you were out there doing your own thing, you didn't know it. All you saw yourself was just somebody, just, I'm going to live it up. Boy, I'm just going to have a good time. And you didn't know God had a plan for your life. Hallelujah. And he interrupted your plans with his plans. How many of y'all, got, God got a hold of you before, before you even think about it? You weren't even thinking about God at the time. See, uh, y'all. I'm, now, this is my testimony. I, I tell you my story. When I got born again, it was a Sunday morning in the month of February, and I'm out there, you know, talking to the girls outside. That's what we did. While church was going on, we slipped outside. Now, y'all, don't. you got to watch your kids. When your kids keep running to the bathroom, ain't that much bladder movement in the world. It's just, they're not going to the bathroom, ladies and gentlemen. They're having meetups. I'm telling on them. And so back when I was young, we would, we'd have these meetups outside. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, then the, you know, we, we all, everybody had to, you know, try to try that little mat game. Y'all know what a mat game is? Yeah. 
Hallelujah. And we tried a little mat game. And in the middle of that, in the middle of that, all of a sudden, I felt this tugging to come from outside and go sit inside in the back of the church. Left all my friends outside. I ran and sat inside in the back of the church. And while my brother, which is my pastor, was preaching the gospel, as he's preaching, all of a sudden, I felt this tugging. And when he gave the altar call, I ran down to the altar to give my life to Jesus Christ. You don't, you don't get it. I wasn't thinking about this five minutes before. He drew me. The Bible says no man even comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws him. And he drew me. He drew me out of my plan. He drew me out of my, out of my counsel. He drew me out of my, out of my uh, will. And he, he, he worked in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He got me from outside to inside, from inside to the front. So I gave my life to Christ. And two months later, I was preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 28 of Romans chapter 8, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those, to those, to those who are the called. Not just called, the called. That's a select group. The called according to his purpose. Now, let's keep reading here. For whom he foreknew, now foreknew means he knew before, he also did what? Predestined, Predestined, set your destiny ahead of time to be conformed, come on, to the image of his son. So God set our destinies beforehand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these things God calls us to work together for, for my good, for the, it's according to us, for me who I'm called according to this purpose. Now, this is, I didn't know I was called. You didn't, you didn't catch it. I didn't know I was called. You didn't know you were called. But you were called. And he aligned everything to get you to a place where you could come into your divine destiny. Are y'all hearing this here? For whom he foreknew, knew before, he also predestined, come on, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, please. Moreover, whom he, in other words, set your destiny, right? You take GPS, right? And you set your destination before you get on the road. Right? So whom he, hopefully you do. I have somebody to laugh. Hopefully. You don't just kind of feel your way through, do you? Okay. None of y'all still buying the big Ram McNally naps, uh, maps, are you? Just, okay. Okay. So moreover whom he predestined, watch this. These he also called. Now, I want you to look at that word called. Because that word called, we, I know for me, I've had a very limited definition of that word. I've taken it to mean like God called me, like, hey, Jeff, come. But the word called, you look it up in the, in the Greek, it actually means beyond just being uh, drawn, it also means being named or identified. Like God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever he called them, that was its name. 
So Adam gave them their identity. Hallelujah. Even when God gave Adam this beautiful uh, species, a female species, God didn't call her woman. Adam called her woman. He said, she shall be called woman for she came out of the womb of man. He called her, her he gave her her identity. Later on, he called her, he gave her an actual name. The Bible says he named her Eve because she was the mother of all living. So he gave her her identity. So the word call doesn't just mean like come to me. It also means to give an identity. So for moreover whom he predestined, these he also gave identity. Because God knows at the very root you cannot get to your destiny without knowing your identity. Well, this will help three people. These he also called. Whom he called, these he also. What does justified mean? Justified means, another word of just, for justified is equaled. Equaled. When you justify something, you make, for example, on two sides of an equation, you make, you make both sides equal. Y'all remember algebra? You have to make both sides equal. To justify them. Right? I got some high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not only did God predestine us, which means set the end, then he, he says he identified us, called. Then he justified us, which, which I want I submit to you. It means he gave, he equipped us or equaled us to our calling. You got, you got to catch this. <laughs> Remember we, what Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So in other words, I didn't have it in me to be that, but when he called me, he then equipped me with what I needed to fulfill the calling. He gave me my identity, and then he gave me what I needed to match up with my identity. Glory to God. When, when God called Gideon, in Gideon's mind, Gideon was, he said, I wasn't qualified. And God said, hey, hey, you're a mighty man of valor, which meant God put something on him right then to match up to what he was called to do to fulfill his divine destiny. God gave Moses exactly what he needed to fulfill the calling, the identity that God had given him. Are y'all catching this here? So moreover whom he predestined, set the destiny ahead of time, these he also called or these he also named or these he also identified, gave them their identity. Then it says these he also justified or equaled or gave or equipped them and, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Y'all got it? Okay. Now let's go to another very familiar passage to many of us, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Because we're talking about true identity here. Jeremiah. Maybe we're just in Jeremiah 29, right? Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Remember now, whoever he predestined, he called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he glorified. I'm going the wrong way. Jeremiah chapter 1. Hallelujah. I find it here. 
J-E-R-E-M-I-A-H. I, I know where. I just. <laughs> so predestined, called or identified, justified, equaled, glorified. All right, now watch Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. says, then the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah talking, right? Saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So there's a foreknowledge here. Now watch. Before I formed you, I knew you. Then he says, well, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me help sit, sit, go back to this because this is, this is very critical. Before I formed you, I knew you. So, which is odd to us because in our natural minds, you are, you are formed first, then I know you. Come on, help me out, somebody. <laughs> I mean... You, you, can, you can dream about being pregnant, but until something's formed, you don't know that baby. But God said, before I formed you, I knew you. So his knowledge came before the form. This is, this is critical. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I didn't see that earlier. This is critical. Before I formed you, I knew you. So then this tells me that whatever God knew about him, the form was to match what he knew. He didn't form him first and get to know him. He knew him, then he formed him. So what, however God forms you, I'm going to get to this maybe later on. However God forms you is based on what he knows about you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Boy, this is better than some of y'all letting on. I knew you first. In other words, in my, in, thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was... Without form and void. But God spoke and said, let there be. Because God already saw what he wanted. So what he had in his mind, he formed to match what was in his mind. And he formed everything, thank you, Holy Ghost. He formed everything on this planet in a systematic, methodical way with a purpose to everything. That the trees are designed to take in all the nitrogen or whatever we breathe. What do we breathe out? Nitrogen? Carbon dioxide. The trees take in all the carbon dioxide and release fresh oxygen back into the atmosphere. Trees aren't here just for beauty. Oh, y'all getting this here. Everything God formed was based on what he knew in the earth. He knew, the matter of fact, the last thing God made was man. And he put everything ahead of time here for man for the purpose of man. Everything was here to accommodate man. Everything, we are the masterpiece of God's creation. Everything was here to accommodate man. Everything was set in order. Even, even how far God put the earth from the sun was based on our presence here. That the earth is from the sun a particular distance so as not to be too far away that we freeze and not too close that we burn up. 
based on what he knew about us. Everything God formed this earth was based on his foreknowledge, based on his eternal plan. Are y'all hearing this? So when God forms you, Jeremiah, when he forms you, Shay, when he forms you, Caleb, he, before he formed you, he knew you. Before you were born, he sanctified you and ordained you to be whatever you're supposed to be. So before you were formed, you were already ordained. Ordained means ordered. He already set you in a place and ordered you in something. So it's, this is very critical. Everybody say this is critical. So how you are formed is a reflection on what you're called to do. I'm, I'm skipping way down in my notes here. This is why the transgender or the homosexual movement is such an abomination to God. It's not because God hates people, he, but God knows that when you, when you change your identity, you miss out on the order, you miss out on the purpose, you miss out on what God was formed you to be. When people want to say, well, I'm a man, but I identify as a woman. Well, you're going to miss out on your purpose and your destiny because before, before God formed you as a man, he knew what he wanted you man to do and what he wanted you man to be. So you can't change your form based on how you feel. Preach, pastor. That's why God hates it. It is a violation of his wisdom. It is to say that my creator didn't, doesn't know what he's doing. And that's why the devil has to force people to even forget about a creator and go back to, well, this is evolution and, and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and, and this, just what bothers me, might I add, is when the church goes along with these kind of things and, and endorses and agrees with these kind of things. And the reason the church does that is because the church people don't understand That one preacher I told you about who said here a few weeks ago, whatever this was, about how, how if it was up to him, if he, if he had been their creation, he, he would have he told God, we, need, we don't need just male and female. We need like A, B, C, D, E. We need all kind of options because he said, I'm not God. And this is, a, I mean, one of the most popular preachers in America. Some of y'all follow this guy. Some of y'all subscribe and get all your little daily little kicks off this one guy's popular messages. Mike Todd, I'm going to just say his name so you can unsubscribe, unfollow. He said in our church, we welcome all transgender people. He says trans is in our name. Transformation Church. Yeah, okay. Hey, problem is, son, is God, God foreknows and God forms. And if in God's mind there would have been a reason for alternative forms, he would have made alternative forms. But because God only made male and female, that means to accomplish his will, to fulfill our purpose, all we need. I'm going to come over here because they ain't saying 
All we need is male and female. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, Jeremiah's response to this is a negative response. Based on his identity. God tells him his destiny, his purpose, even a glimpse here of his assignment, but Jeremiah's problem is his identity. Y'all, man, well, come on now, come on now. Because when God tells him this great, grandiose plan, his response is, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. Notice he doesn't identify with his calling. He doesn't identify with his assignment. He doesn't identify with the destiny. He doesn't identify with what God just spoke into his spirit. He identifies with the natural man. And that's the mistake most of us make. How do I know? Because I've made it many more times than I care to admit. That when God has spoken something great and grandiose in my life, about my life, over my life, I've, I've pulled back because I've identified with my natural, identified with my flesh and says, I can't do that because I'm only this or I'm only that and I don't have this and I don't have that. And God doesn't like that. Because God says, I know you better than you know you. I know what you don't have. If I needed you to have that, I would have given that to you. I know I knew you before I formed you. Glory to God. He says, I can't do it for my youth. So notice how God then has to now rebut what Jeremiah says. The Lord said to me, do not say, do not say, do not say, don't identify with that natural. Let me ask you a question. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you think if God knew Jeremiah before he was formed, before he was born, do you think God knows how old Jeremiah is? I think God is well aware of how old Jeremiah is, or in this case, how young Jeremiah is. And yet, Jeremiah's youth had no bearing on the calling of God. Jeremiah's youthfulness and his inexperience had no bearing on the calling of God. God said, I'm not talking to your flesh. Well, but that'll... I'll just... <laughs> I'm not, tell, tell, tell your neighbor, God's not talking to your flesh. <laughs> God's not talking to your flesh. He's talking to that hidden man, that inner man on the inside of you, that thing that he formed, that thing that he called, that thing that he shaped, that thing that he's called before the beginning of time. That, that, oh, thank you. Before I formed you, I knew you. That means that you were you before you were formed.
Before you were formed, I knew you. That means you were you before you were formed. That means you, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. You already existed before you existed. I knew you before you were formed. I knew you before you were formed. That means God already, you were already in God's mind, already in, you were, this is probably going to push you way beyond where you, see, we, we, I think this will help us if we understand that we are eternal people. <laughs> that he knew you before you were formed. You existed before your mama met your daddy. Only, and if your well, my mom and daddy wasn't married, they didn't need to be married. He just needed them to make the connection. So he'd have a body to put you in. Jesus said, prepare me a body that I may come down. He already existed before he had a body. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was already the Word. You existed before you existed. How, how many of y'all can grab a hold of that? Just, just chew on it for a few days. You... And if you would get that, then you'll understand God is not moved and God is not talking to your flesh. Do you think Moses surprised God when he said, God, I, I stutter I, and I, I, can't, I can't talk? Do you think, you think God knew that? Moses, boy, I ain't talking to your flesh. I'm not sending you to Pharaoh in the God, shot out of shot. I'm not sending you to Pharaoh. He said, Moses, I'm going to make you a God to Pharaoh. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to make you a God to Pharaoh. He ain't talking about, about, about Moses' flesh. Help me out. Tell somebody around you, he ain't talking about your flesh. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't talking about your flesh. He ain't talking to your flesh. He's talking to that superman on the inside of you, that superwoman on the inside of you, that born-again, Holy Ghost-filled person on the inside of you that's made in God's image, that's made in God's likeness. So God says, don't, don't tell me you're a youth. Don't, don't say you're a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Your flesh ain't going to get in the way. I got you. Whatever I command you, you're you going to speak it. This is somebody's word. Verse 8, do not be afraid of their faces. I've called you to something bigger. Don't be afraid of, and it, for him to say don't be afraid of their faces, which that means there's going to be some intimidating faces. Right. 
you're going to get some bad looks. You're going to get some crazy looks. You're going to get some sneers and some jars and some jeering at you. But don't you back down from anybody. I said, don't you back down from anything, any assignment God gives you. If God has given you an assignment, he's given you a purpose, he's given you a plan, he's given you something to do, he is with you. You just open your mouth, he's going to speak for you. Verse 9, and the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth, my words in your mouth, my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. So notice now God's giving him assignment. Here's your destiny. Here's your purposes, your assignment, but I had to deal with your identity. I got to deal with your identity. I'm telling you, this is the area where God has to, he, he has to do so much work in us. Is our, the area of our identity. Because what, what we do most often is we identify with the flesh. We identify with the human nature and don't identify with that divine nature. Don't your Bible tell us that God has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that we should be partakers of his divine nature? So we have a divine nature. But when God brings us something great to do or to be or to have, we resort back. And <laughs> Paul, Paul said... Um, Paul said, when, when I received the call from God, he said, I did not confer with the flesh. <laughs> when God called me to a great ministry, he said, I did not confer with the flesh. In other words, you don't go back and evaluate all your fleshly human natural attributes to see whether you can do what God has called you to do. Because here's the truth, that if God called you, even if you didn't think you could do it, he put something in you to do what he called you to do. And he formed you with what you need naturally to do the job. Then he brings something called grace on you to make up all the difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Grace makes up the difference. Grace makes up the difference. And thank you, Holy Spirit. And I contend to you, I submit that the reason God doesn't give you in the natural everything you need, because in the natural, if you had everything you need, your flesh would try to glory in his presence. <laughs> you, you would think that you were adequate enough. And you would think it's because you're such a good speaker and a, I'm such a good singer and I'm, I, I'm, I'm such a good organizer. I can make, no, 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 no. He, he, he formed you with some inadequacies. <laughs> that no flesh will glory in his presence. That you will never try to steal glory that belongs to God. So don't look at yourself and say, I don't have enough. No, say, yes, I don't have enough, but grace makes up the difference in my life. 
Why? So God gets all the glory. That's why Paul said over there in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, I'd much rather boast in my infirmities. I'd much rather boast. Infirmities means, means weaknesses. I'd much rather boast in, in my weaknesses. When I'm weak, then am I made strong. See? So God already knows your shortcomings. <laughs> but what he doesn't want you and me to do is to identify with the shortcomings. Identify with the greater is he that is in you. I said identify with the greater is he that is in you. Thank you, Lord. What does Philippians 4 and 13 say? I can. Come on, help me somebody. I can. Do what? Do what now? Say it like an army. I can do what? Through. So it's not my inability. It's not my human abilities. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Y'all got this here. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So there's a spiritual battle. I got about 16 minutes. Let's finish this out here. There's a spiritual battle raging right now over your identity. The, the greatest battle that's happening inside of you is the battle over your identity. More than the battle for your marriage and the battle for your family, it's your identity. Because if your identity is right, your family will be right. Your marriage will be right. And the, the, the issue why, why we have so many, so many of these, the reason why we have some of these issues is because we are identifying uh, ourselves incorrectly. We are not operating on our true identity. We're operating on a false identity. We're operating on a mistaken identity. We're operating on an identity that the, that the devil has brought to us, that he's trying to make us believe something about ourselves that we are not. I make us believe something uh, 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 that's not about ourselves that we are. He wants you to deny who God made you to be. And that's the battle. It's over your identity. Pastor, no, I got financial problems. It's an identity problem. You don't want to hear this, I'm telling you. It's not a financial problem. It's an identity problem. You don't know who you are. You're identifying with your, with your lack of degree or your lack of diploma. Or you're identifying with your age or your gender. Or you're identifying with your neighborhood you grew up in. And saying what, you're, what the devil's telling you, well, because you only did this and you only have that, you can only live like this. That's the wrong identity. You want to identify with, well, you know, I'm, I would do it, but I, I, I'm not creative. <laughs> what? What do you mean you're not creative? Weren't you made in God's image and God's likeness? You are extremely creative. But you keep identifying with the fact that you couldn't, couldn't color within the lines. And you think, 
because your grandmama never hung your picture on the refrigerator, you identify with that art failure. No, 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 no. No, sir. No, ma'am. I said, no, sir. No, ma'am. You are extremely creative. You are not only creative, you are inventive. God is an inventor and an innovator. God said, I will do a new thing. He said, don't even, don't even remember the old things. He said, I'll do a new thing. So God is an innovator and an inventor. So if he's in you, then you have as much inventive and innovative abilities in you as, as he does because he's in you. But the problem is, if we identify with the flesh... We suppress the divine identity, the true identity that God has put on the inside of us. So the battle that's raging in us even now is about our identity. You know the reason, <laughs> I don't mean the metal, but the reason why some folks struggle in marriage is because they still identify as single. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, you got to change your identity, baby. You're not single anymore. You're married. You's married now. <laughs> Praise God. All right, now let's, let's deal with something here because I want to get to this here. Okay. The devil knows that if you identify with the flesh, you'll serve the flesh. You'll serve Satan's agenda. But if you take your identity from the kingdom, you'll serve God. So what he does is he works to get you and me to lose our true identity. I'm talking about once you've been born again. Now, if you're not born again, he, he's, he's, he's carried this from the very beginning, from the time you've been born. He's been trying to shape your identity in a secular way. To give you a secular worldview, to give you a secular mindset, meaning a worldly mindset that you think and you see everything through the eyes of, 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 a, of a heathen. <laughs> okay? As opposed to seeing everything through the eyes of a kingdom citizen. So then once you become a kingdom citizen, what he then wants to do is to get you in captivity and get you uh, to a place where he begins to, to replace your kingdom identity, which is there, with his identity. Right. Now we see this clearly laid out in the book of Daniel. Turn over there, Daniel chapter 1. You and Jeremiah go over two books, Jeremiah, uh, Lamentations, oh, Ezekiel, Daniel. We got a couple more books to go. Ezekiel, Daniel. Hallelujah. In chapter 1, let me cover this real quick. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Don't identify with the flesh. God's not talking to your flesh. Hallelujah. I said he's not talking to your flesh. 
God is a spirit. He's talking spirit to spirit. The Bible says deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. God doesn't call to that natural. He doesn't call to that surface. It deep calls to deep. Hallelujah. At the noise of the waterfalls, God calls you to deep things in your life. That hidden man, that inner man. Thank you, Lord. He's speaking to that real you on the inside. That one that's been, uh, Ephesians 2.10, recreated after his handiworks, in his, his handiworks. You've been recreated in God's image. You got that? Okay. Daniel chapter 1. And um, you ever heard the story of Daniel and, and the three Hebrew boys? Y'all know about them? Okay, this is when the children of, of the Judah, children of Judah actually, not all Israel. This is Judah because the kingdoms have been divided by now. And Judah, they've been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Okay, the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonian Empire. Y'all studied that in school, in high school, in middle school, the Babylonian Empire, right? This is them. This is, this is what happened during this time. Okay, verse 3, verse 3. Then the king, being Nebuchadnezzar, instructed Asphanes, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish. Now, we're going to just look up here. We're about to talk about Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, notice in this list that these are some of the king's descendants and the nobles, some of the nobles. So these weren't some little peasant boys. This is cream of the crop. I want you to see the satanic agenda here. Some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, young men, look at this, in whom there was no blemish, but good looking. Good looking. Hallelujah. Gifted in all wisdom. Possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. Now watch this next part because here's where it gets interesting. And whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. Okay? So notice one thing the devil has to do and the world wants to do to people of God because he's, the ultimate goal is to change their identity. These are noble, royal Hebrew children. And the enemy, the king, wants to strip that away. So that they no longer identify with their native Hebrew ways or their royalty. So the first thing we got to do is give them a new language. So notice how important words are. And what the devil wants to do is get people of God not talking the language of God, the language of faith, but watching up CNN so you talk the language of the world. <laughs> on enough social media till you talk the language of the world all day, all night, talking how they talk. They're going to teach you how they talk. And instead of speaking the way faith speaks, you speak the way fear speaks. 
doubt and unbelief and demeaning, even demeaning to your own self. Shortening your own life with your own words. And the devil knows if he can teach God's people his language, we'll exchange our true identity for a false identity. So notice he says, teach language and literature, which means we're going to have you reading our books, reading our stuff. We want you to read our material. Stop reading that Bible. And we've watched that happen in the church. Not this church, in the church. Where now preachers aren't preaching the Bible, they're preaching philosophy. And they quote more Nietzsche and quote more Socrates than, than Jesus or Paul or James or John. They're quoting what all these philosophers say and not what the apostles said or what Jesus said. Because they're changing the literature. So notice, notice, I want you to notice this here. Notice even what's happening in, this, in the schools. Thank God for our governor and, and, and the people in our state and people even in our county who are fighting against certain literature being in our schools. Y'all ain't saying much to me, yeah. And everybody want to get in a singing uproar. Well, they taking out certain books, but they can't take out Toni Morrison because that's a good black book. They're, they're not taking out Toni Morrison book because it's black. They're taking out, it out because of all the sexual deviant stuff that's in the book. And they get all the black faces to fight about it because, well, they black people. They're black. No, they ain't about black. It's about the sexually deviant things that she writes about in her books. Come over here. Soft pornography being read in, the, in these schools. They take away all the black books. They ain't all the black books. Promoting homosexuality, promoting lesbianism in the books. That's the problem. It's literature. We got to rewrite history. It's literature. We got to take all traces of God out of everything. It's the literature. Okay, y'all don't like that. Okay. Uh, okay, so we're going to change their, their language, their literature. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's LSKCs and the wine which he drank. And notice, notice now they're changing their diet. The whole point of changing the diet and the language and the literature is to strip you of your identity. We don't want y'all eating that kosher food y'all were eating. Y'all going to eat our food which is sacrificed to idols. In Babylon, they sacrificed to the gods of Nebo. That, that's where the name Nebuchadnezzar comes from, is Nebo, the god Nebo. And they made these sacrifices to all these idols, these demons. And so they wanted these Hebrew boys to eat their food, to eat, partake of their diet. And you got to be careful when you start partaking of the world's diet. And filling your... Y'all ain't sending... Uh, let, me, let me put my glasses on so I can see how y'all looking at me again. <laughs> The devil wants you to fill up on his diet. He wants you to get a healthy diet of his filth, of his foolishness, of his agenda. Because the more you feed on that, the more you lose your true identity. Then he said, I want them to go through three years of training. We call this indoctrination. 
So we're, gonna, we're now going to immerse them in our culture for three years. We're going to brainwash them. We're going to wash their brains of all this Jewish, of all this, all this Hebrew stuff, of all this God stuff, and we're going to brainwash them and indoctrinate them in our philosophy, in our ideas. And that's the problem in our public schools. Y'all don't want to hear this over and over again. In our public schools, it's 12 years of training. It's 12 years of indoctrination in the world's agenda, the world's mindset. That's why parents, if your children must go to public school, you better make sure when they come home, you brainwash them all over again. Y'all, I got like one clout. You better make sure when they come home, you brainwash them. Sit down here, tell me what you learned. That ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't Bible. That ain't God. That ain't righteous. That ain't, you better tell them. Because if you don't, they are going through 12 years of training, and when they come out of 12 years of training, and then you send them off to a fancy, fancy school for four years, they're going to get a higher education, a higher training, a higher indoctrination, with the whole agenda to snatch God out of their system, especially at HBCUs. Y'all didn't like y'all don't like when I said, especially at the HBCUs. Because the HBCUs is all about ancestral worship. That's what all that's what all the all the cults all about. And if see, see, now I'm not talking, I'm not saying there are people who can't go to HBCUs and not make it out living loving God, because you better have the Holy Ghost when you go. But if you ain't got the Holy Ghost when you go, you're going to come back with some other kind of ghost on the inside. Okay, so notice that they change their language, change literature, try to change their diet. Verse 6, now from among the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now watch this, verse 7, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. Now here's the ultimate kicker. We change your language, we change the literature, we change the diet. We go indoctrinate you, but now we got to get you to change your name because your name is your identity. And they change from these, these Hebrew names, which all meant something. You know, we don't, you know, we, we make up names like, you know, Kawilo. Co- co- we give people all kind of crazy names, Kawilo and all these stuff. We, we mix up daddy name and mama name and grandma name. We just mash it all and make a name. That's how we do. But in the, the children of Israel, when they made a name, like for, for example, Daniel, da- Daniel, uh, it's Dan L. L means God. Dan means judge. So it means, his name means God judges. These names meant something. Mishael, Azariah, these names have a meaning. But every, even the Chaldean names had meanings. So when they gave them new names, they wanted them to stop identifying with the God of the Bible, the God of the Hebrews, and start identifying with the gods of the Chaldeans. I don't know who this is. This is up to anybody. I'm telling you, you got to watch out for the satanic agenda because his agenda is not just to get you out in the world having a good time. It's to get you out there where he strips you of your divine identity and you take on a go back to your natural identity and he's not going to stop there till he gets you into a demonic identity. Preach 
Whoever you identify with, you'll serve. Whoever you identify with, you'll fulfill their purpose. You'll be on assignment for the one that you identify with. And those, they spend a lot of time to make this happen. That's why Romans 12, 2 tells us this. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Come on, by what? The renewing of your mind. I got another page to go on this, but we'll finish this next week. Why don't you give God a praise for that word tonight? Come on, give God a big praise if you receive that word tonight. If this is your word, let the Lord know you appreciate his goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will not identify with my flesh. I identify with the spirit of God. I identify with my divine nature. I identify with my reason. The reason he called me before he formed me, he knew me. He knew me. Predestined me. Gave me an expected end. And if I stick with him, he's going to get me to my expected end. That place that he's prepared for me. That thing, listen to this. That thing, the reason why I'm here. Did you catch that? The reason that you're here. Now, I know we can say, well, you know, we're all here to do God's will, and we're all here to, you know, to win souls. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, that, that's the general. But specifically you, y'all shake your finger in your neighbor's face. Not, not, real, not too close. Don't do it too close. Say there's a reason that you're here. You are not a mistake. Your parents might not have planned you. But you are already in the mind of God. You better get that. Your parents might not have planned you, but you are already in the mind of God. You might have been an oops baby to your mama, but God had you in his mind. Before he formed you, he knew you. He only needed your mama and your daddy to get together to give a body, to provide a body so that you could be born into the earth. Did y'all get that? Are y'all hearing that tonight? There's a reason that God has you here. We sang this song on Saturday in this, in this funeral I was attending. It took like 10 minutes to sing this song. And one of the lines says this, to serve this present age, my calling to fulfill. Ooh. I mean, it took us 10 minutes to sing that. The song only had two lines, but it took two minutes to sing the whole. But it's very true. Man, all my powers engaged to do my master's will. There's something that God has called you and me to do. There's a reason why we're here. There's a reason why you, 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 didn't, you didn't sneak into the earth. God meant for you to be here. It's your destiny. But you and I, in order to fulfill our destiny, we must find out and be established in our true identity. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for our divine nature. Thank you for our true identity in Christ Jesus. 
God, thank you that we don't have to identify ourselves with the flesh anymore. For you said in your word, if any man be in Christ, we are new creatures. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So thank you, Father, that we identify with the new man. We identify with the new life. We identify with the new way. We identify with that new hidden man of the heart, oh God. We don't identify with our flesh. We don't identify with the old life, our old ways. We don't identify with our frailties and our shortcomings, God. We identify with who you called us to be. For who you predestined, you also called. You also, you also uh, identified. You named us. Thank you for making us male and female. Thank you for making us black or white or whatever ethnicity, Hispanic, whatever ethnicity we are. There's, there's a reason why you put us in this body. This gender, this ethnicity. There's a reason why you brought, brought us to this place. It's all part of that destiny that expected in. So, Father, I ask that God, as your people, as we've grabbed a hold of this word tonight, that we'll begin to listen to you. That we'll, we'll be, Lord, on the lookout for direction concerning our purposes, our assignments, and ultimately our destiny, God. Thank you, Father, that it's already set and it's something good. Our expected end, it is something good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we pray, Father, that, God, we will tap into and be strong in that grace that will give us the ability to fulfill the calling on our lives. May it all our powers engage to do our master's will. We give you praise tonight for it. And all the honor and the glory belongs to you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Put those hands together once again and give God a